welcome to the Winning in Real Estate podcast with your host and CEO of Align Ventures, Arnold Olshaneski. Join us as we speak with real estate pros about their experiences and learn the fundamentals of passive real estate investing. Together, we will unlock the secrets of achieving financial freedom by discussing proven strategies and building passive income through investing in real estate. Here's your host, Arnold Olshaneski. Joining me today is Bronson Hill, managing member of Bronson Equity. He's a general partner in over $150 million worth of real estate around the U.S. and is an authority in apartment building investing. He's raised over $20 million in real estate capital and his company owns over 1,400 units. Today, we'll be discussing his journey from a medical sales device rep to a real estate entrepreneur, whether it makes sense to join a real estate mastermind group. We will also touch on how AI technology can affect your investing and also how to use inflation to your advantage in today's economy. Bronson, welcome to the show. Hey, excited to be here, Ronald. Thanks so much. Love talking investing and real estate and, and AI and all this stuff, man. So looking forward to getting into it. We definitely got some fun stuff to chat about. It's a little bit of a mix all over the place, but let's have some fun with it. I think the first thing that really stood out to me, because I'm just always passionate to know about people's journeys, how they got to where they are. And I know that before your career in real estate, you were a medical sales device rep making a nice six-figure plus salary. That provides, obviously, a great lifestyle, comfort. And then to take that leap and walk away from security and go into real estate investing, which there's risk in that. There's unknown. How's that going to pan out? Can you tell me a little bit about that period in your life and some of the challenges that you had to deal with when you were making that transition? Anybody that is interested in leaving their job, it's like a drug. We don't realize how a paycheck is just like a security blanket, right? Like, why would I ever leave? I was making 200K a year. And my family thought it was nuts. They're like, why would you ever leave? You have this great job that's awesome. And you can do it in like 30 hours a week. Like, why don't you just do the other stuff on the side? And then I got in, I really didn't have any like good friends that were entrepreneurs or I wasn't really around that crowd. And so actually I joined a mastermind that was an entrepreneur's mastermind. I basically explained to them, these are all guys that have businesses that generate over a million dollars a year in revenue. And so they're not tire kickers. These are people that are doing it. And I said, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to leave my job. And here's kind of the business case for what I'm doing. And without exception, this was like six other guys. They were all like, yeah, you should pretty much leave your job as soon as possible. And then they reminded me, they're like, it may not work, but if it doesn't, you could always go back to medical sales, right? And I just thought like, oh, I hadn't really thought of that. You know, if it doesn't work, I guess in my mind, I think in a lot of our minds, we think if something fails, well, then that means that I'm a failure or that I have to come back from that. When it's really like, I think the most successful people have had the ability to withstand the most failure or chances of failure and to turn failure into success and learning. And so really, in my opinion, nothing is ever failure unless you just don't learn anything from it, right? So I think there's a lot to unpack from that, but I just think getting around people that we're doing it, that we're able to be coaches and really be able to be support was really valuable. There's a, the quote by Jim Rohn, the uh, famous motivational speaker. He said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if I'm around people and it's almost every area of life, if it's like, what's their spirituality like? And what's their fitness level like? And what's their income like? It's almost, you just figure out who you're spending your time with. Most likely you're kind of an average of all those things. So if you want to get at the next level in business or in any area of life or fitness, you just got to get around people that are at the next level and it will subconsciously start to change you. I couldn't agree with you more on that. It's just the people that you're around, you don't even notice how it affects you. 
but just listening to the conversations that you're having, the conversations they're having, it starts seeping in. And at least what I've noticed in my journey is as I got good people around me and good influences, you know, because when I was starting out, I had two nickels to rub together. And it's like I wasn't in a circle of entrepreneurs and people that are looking to grow. And I had to get there. But I just remember how when you do get in there, how your standards start to change, right? Because all the people that you're near, they're talking about different things. They view things differently. And you just start increasing that bar for yourself. So could definitely remember that path. Was there a little voice? And you mentioned there were people saying, why would you leave? You're only working 30 hours a week. You have such a great job. Would you say that was one of the hardest things to overcome in that transition is just all those voices kind of saying, hey, don't do that? Yeah, I would say it was definitely a big challenge. There were other challenges too. I think everything, unless we've done it, it just feels scary. It feels like, why would we ever make a leap or do this? But I realized that you can actually pull from prior experiences in your life. So like for me, I run Spartan races and I know I've had some, some real challenges I've overcome there, whether injuries or just trying to continue to get better and I do this competitively. And so I can draw from that, right? Or even going back to the success I had in medical sales. But there's this quote, and I don't know, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but it says something like, at the end of your life, you regret more the things that you didn't do rather than the things that you did. And I pictured myself, I think this is something that like is really helpful. If somebody's like, oh, I just know I want to start the business or I know I want to go do the trip around the world for a year or whatever. And just think about yourself when you're 70 or 80 years old, but you don't have the energy, you're not able to do those things. Do you want to look back on your life and think, I have all these regrets? Or do you think, man, I'm so glad I actually took a chance and I did it. And we're going to fail at some things, but nothing is failure unless we learn. And so I think for me, one of the biggest challenges I faced, Arnold, was really the idea of the imposter syndrome, right? We all have this of like, and almost every successful person that I know, unless you're like a complete narcissist, has some sort of self-doubt, right? That like, who am I to be up here sharing or on a stage or doing a podcast or teaching people, whatever. And I remember when I first started doing this, people, some people were, I got a couple of critics and whatever. And they're like, well, I, we don't really understand why are you doing this? You got your job and the things like, who are you? And, but on the other hand, I think being able to do something afraid or being able to do something while I've never done this before and giving yourself the permission that this may succeed or this may fail, like my entrepreneur friend said, but you know, you could always go back. You could always, there's always other options here. And I think in school, we're just taught to never make any mistakes. Well, as an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to make a lot of mistakes and quickly learn. Robert Kiyosaki wrote the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Many people invent it, read in the investing world. He has this book called Before You Quit Your Job. And ironically, my cousin, who's a wealthy investor, said, hey, you should read this book before you quit your job. And I was like, okay, it sounds really cliche, but I'll do it. But he describes that mindset, right? Employees, you can't, if you make too many mistakes, you'll get fired. As an entrepreneur, you have to make a lot of mistakes, be willing to, and then you'll quickly learn. And so the idea of being an entrepreneur, which is if you start a business, you're looking to do something else, it's like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute and trying to assemble one before you hit the ground. And that's how it's described in this book. And it's a great, if anybody's thinking to make that leap, I think that's a great thing to think about. But again, you don't know what you're capable of. A lot of times we stop way short of what we're capable of, whether it's in a business or physical activity. I just think about 80% of life is just having the right mindset. It reminds me of a story from Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill called Three Feet from Gold. Yeah. And essentially it was about a father and son duo. And they found out that there was gold at a specific part of the land. So they got all this equipment and machinery and they got all these loans to start digging and they're digging and digging. 
and they finally hit some gold. They hit enough gold in order to start paying back all the loans that they took. So they did that and they kept digging and now six months go by, nothing. A year goes by, nothing. Two years goes by, nothing. After I believe three or four years, they just kind of gave up on it and they sold the equipment for 10, 20 cents in the dollar. And the person that came in and bought the equipment brought in a specialist to look at kind of how the land is structured. And what they found out is that just because of the ridges in the land, you just had to move three feet to the left. I forget the exact numbers, but there were like hundreds of, it was it's a true story, right? But it was yeah. a tremendous amount of money, let's put it that way. And I just, through all the adversities that I dealt with as well, I just kept reminding myself three feet, three feet, three feet, three feet. So yeah, it definitely fail. Like the old quote goes, right? Fail, uh, fail fast, fail forward. And it's all about the perspective, right? If you look at it as, hey, I'm getting one step closer to getting to where I want to be to versus, hey, I made a mistake. It's something in our mindset. We just, we get trained in school. There's, well, if you get a hundred percent on this or everything you do wrong, that's all you know, right or wrong versus you know, life is about collaboration. It's about, I mean, we got all the answers we need on Google. We can get all the answers from somebody else who is a specialist. And that's why my friend Ken McElroy, who's a real estate, well, not a real estate investor, he says, that's why A students work for C students, right? Because a lot of C students, they're willing to take the risks that A students are not because they just can't not make those mistakes. So, and I was somebody who was more of an A student. I wasn't like an A plus student, but I was a, you know, it was hard. It was really hard for me to get my mindset shifted to be like, I'm going to try to go 10X in my life and just different ways and just keep 10X that and 10X that because a lot of the mindset stuff is really why we are the way we are and why we're producing what we're producing. And I'm responsible for that. So I've got to, you know, as an individual, we just got to take responsibility for where our lives are at and where we want to go. Absolutely. Now that we've been throwing a whole bunch of quotes around book references, I might as well continue a little bit on that path. I know that one of your favorite quotes is from Warren Buffett. And I believe he said, if you don't learn to make money while you sleep, you'll work until you die. Was there a particular moment in your life where that quote really resonated with you? Yeah, I, there was actually. So I realized I mean, you know, done 10 years of medical device sales. It was about in, I think, year six or, or maybe it was year seven. I had a couple cardiologists I worked with and they're great guys. They were making millions a year, at least a two, three million each a year. And they were doing great, but they were working 60 to 80 hours a week or more and they weren't taking vacations. And it was just, I could see, even though they were making a lot of money, they were time poor. And I just thought most people think of financial freedom and they think of money when really what we want is time. And so when Warren Buffett shares that quote of making money while you sleep, it's the idea of how do you grow your wealth without taking up more of your time? And I asked people, I've had now 1,500 one-on-one phone calls with high net worth investors, talk about investing and different, basically chance to interview millionaires on what their goals are and things. It's been really interesting. But I'll ask sometimes a lot of people where they're like, oh, I have a, a rental house or I've got a vacation rental or I've got a duplex. And I ask them, I say, okay, you've got two units or you've got three housing units. What if you 10X that? What if you have 30 of those? Is that something you can manage? And their eyes just about bug out of their head. You're like, there's absolutely no way I could do that with my job, whatever. Well, I tell them, well, that's not really passive investing then, right? So we think single family or we think some of these other investing routes or stock trading is going to get you where you want to go. But what I found is as you look at ways to scale wealth, I think it takes, honestly, if somebody really is motivated learning and they have wealth in three years, they could potentially replace their income just through passive investing. And it starts by investing in one deal, learning, you pay attention when you invest, 
And then it's like a muscle you didn't know you have. And then once you realize like, wow, I'm getting the same or better returns and I can actually scale this so I can do, I could 10x this. I could put 10 times as much in different deals or I could spread it around. I think it's not how many deals you're in, but it's just how you're diversified and how you're allocated that you're able to grow wealth without taking up more time. So that's really the whole principle, I think, of true passive investing. There is work on the front end to vet a deal and vet a team. But once you do that, you are just receiving the mailbox money, which is the name of my podcast. And it's just dedicated to that thought of how do you get to a place where you are making money while you sleep? It's funny because I was just having this conversation a couple of nights ago with somebody over dinner and they were talking about how money buys you freedom. And a thought popped into my head. I'm like, well, money could also enslave you, right? Because if you're working 80 hours a week and you're 20, 30 years into your career and you don't have time for your kids and sure, you're making money, but you barely have a second to yourself. And sometimes that could be the opposite. I know you're also, you're part of um, quite a few real estate mastermind groups. And essentially these are groups that, you know, they teach people how to invest in real estate. They provide people with a peer group that helps support people's success. I've personally looked into some and, you know, I would love to know, can you share how joining these groups helped you in your real estate journey? Again, it goes back to that quote of you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so I have, I've, I'm actually in several groups now. I'm a, a coach for a group called Kingdom REI, which is, you know, we help people to do big deals and raise money for apartment or other types of buildings. That was, that's a kind of a faith-based Christian group. There's a couple others I'm in as well. And I found, yeah, I'm paying money to be a part of these groups, but it's two things. One is I'm really getting around great people that I learn from. And I get around resources and deals and opportunities that I wouldn't normally have gotten around. And the second thing is that like one of these masterminds is really dedicated to helping me grow as an entrepreneur. Just how do I grow? What systems do I set up? Who should I hire? How do I scale up? When I do start to grow, which we've grown a lot, what are the systems and processes in place to manage a larger team? Right. So I think that stuff is really valuable. And so there are many out there, you know, some that are like groups for dentists and there's investment groups for doctors. There's different things that are out there. You got to find obviously ones that fit you. But I just think in general, being in the room with people, if they charge 10 grand to be a part of a group or 50 grand to be a part of a group, only people that are going to pay that are going to be there. So it really limits who is there versus if, let's say you could go on some amazing event and it was 500 bucks, well, you might get 2000 people there, right? Versus getting 50 or 20. And so sometimes the higher the cost is people assign higher value to it, as well as it really limits who's there. And it also kind of gives a little bit like, wow, these people have all paid this amount and you have also have paid this amount as well. So would you say that the most valuable aspect there is the connections you make and the people you meet? Because I know it offers a lot of things, how to do this, systems, marketing plans. But like if there was one thing that you would say above all else pays for itself, would you say it's the people that you meet? I would say in general, yes. I would say that's probably the biggest thing because people that are, and a lot of these people I've met, two to $10 million net worth or higher, they'll go to these events for deal flow. They'll go to learn. They'll go to be in the room with amazing people. And there's just really no other way to meet a lot of these people. Or if you meet them, it's just different versus it does unite everybody together that, hey, these people are all either very successful in what they do or they're very high net worth or both. And so being in the right rooms, I think is, is really important. So there's ways you can go, you know, to meetups and you can do, I know I do a, a meetup in Southern California every month. We have about 80 or hundred people there and it's great. I find investors and you know people to partner with and things like that. But I think 
you can also buy your way in. And it's a way you kind of buy your way in and it focuses your time. And I think as you get to be more successful and more wealthy, whether you are a passive investor or you're an operator or want to do things actively like we do, being in the room, your time is more valuable than the money, right? So you say, okay, well, I'm going to pay the money so that this will help focus my time and it'll put me in the room with the right people. And I remember actually, this is an example. I went to this event that was $7,000 for the week in Belize. And basically I found about 500K in new investors that came from that event, right? So it paid for the event itself and I got to enjoy a nice time at Belize and some of these investors repeat investors. And so that doesn't happen every single time, but I think it just kind of gives you an idea of like, wow, people go to these events sometimes because they are looking for people to connect with and deals and looking for opportunities as well. Is there maybe one or two of them that you really like that you would say, if you could only make one or two of them, definitely go here. There's a bunch out there. I'm part of one called Strategic Coach, which there's some books that came out related to this. There's uh, one called The Who Not How. Who Not How is a book about hiring people or we'll think a lot of times we have a problem and you think, oh, how do I solve this? And really it could be actually it's the wrong question and really who can solve this for me? And so that's kind of a great thing. They just came out with a book called 10X is Easier Than 2X. And basically the book's theory is that like, if you're thinking, you ask people what's easier to double the size of your business or to 10x the size of your business. Most people would say, well, it's easier to double. And he says, no, it's actually much harder to double the size rather than the 10x because you're trying to double the size of your business. You're thinking, okay, I'm working 40 hours now. Now I've got to work 80 hours. I've got to work way harder. I've got to do more, whatever. When you're thinking 10x, you, you've got to let go of 80% of what you're doing. You talked about the 80-20 principle, right? Like you've got to let go of most of what you're doing and think at a whole different scale. So a strategic coach is more like, how do you build yourself as an entrepreneur? How do you build a self-managing company, right? And that's what I think every entrepreneur, most people go to work and they end up working a lot. They go from working 40 hours for someone else to working 60 or 80 hours for themselves, right? Well, that's not freedom, right? So true freedom is, hey, I do the things in the business I want to, they give me life. Some weeks, obviously, I work very hard, but I'm trying to set up to take more time off. And I've traveled, I think over the last six months, I've traveled to four different countries. And like, I just, I love setting up time to be able to do that stuff, right? So that's a big one. It's also a group called the Real Estate Guys. They have a syndication mentoring club, which is really great. They have some great event about syndication that talks about raising money from other individuals. I listen to their show all the time. Yeah. They're great. I love yeah. their energy. What, would you say you also meet a lot of passive investors at these events, or is it mainly people that are actively operating? Or how would you say the mix is? Is it like 50-50 or more towards active investors? I'd say it depends. I think something like Strategic Coach is more for entrepreneurs. You actually have to qualify for it. I haven't, I'm newer to that. I haven't met any investors there yet that I know of, but you're getting a lot of good conversations there. Now, when I go to Belize with the real estate guys or I'm on a cruise with them, that those type of events, I will meet more investors, right? Because it's, it's a lifestyle type of event. It's a higher ticket price. People that are like, hey, we want to do a vacation anyway. We'll just go with these guys. They'll plan everything. And we'll just get our flights and we're going, right? And so I think it depends on the type of event that you're going to. But I think it's a good, any event that I go to, I think this is a tip for anybody in pretty much any sphere. If you're trying to meet people, you're trying to grow yourself, it's important whatever event you go to, you try to have some goals in mind. Like what am I trying to accomplish at this real estate meetup or at this weekend Belize? Or what are the things that you want to walk away with? I really made these connections or I really had a conversation with these several people. The real estate guys have been able to have dinner with Ken McElroy for the last couple of years. He's a big time real estate guy. And now I'm doing a one day event in LA with 250 people and he's flying out to speak along with Neil Bawa and some other people. So 
developing those relationships have been really valuable. I think, again, having a goal in mind when you go to any event, I think is really valuable. That's great, man. I'm big into going to all the conferences, but these are kind of more intimate events. And I see that benefit, right? Because instead of just going and let me see how many business cards I'm going to give out or business cards I'm going to get, it's let me see if I could go make just a couple of real genuine connections, which is so much more impactful. Exactly. It's all about the connections, right? If you can make connections, I mean, you're really just maybe one connection away. For example, one of these events I went to, I had raised 100K for a deal trying to get started in multifamily five years ago. And then at one of these events, I approached a guy who was a leading syndicator in the space and did a lot of multifamily stuff. He would train others how to do multifamily. But I was like, how's it going with you raising money? And he was having, he didn't have anybody in that seat. And I said, well, what if we partnered together? We worked on this and how would that work? And it was super open to it. So that's how the next 18 months we raised $15 million together. So I went from raising a million dollars to raising 15 million just in a very short period of time. So I think that's what's really fun, right? Is that you get to create with other people. You get to really kind of go on a journey with them. And it's just all about getting in the right rooms and meeting people. So this is a good reminder. Real estate is a people business at the end of the day, no matter what technology you got, what underwriting systems, Excels, and you need all those things. I'm not downplaying those, but it's a people business. It's making those connections. So another thing that really intrigued me, I came across one of your posts, I believe it was on LinkedIn or one of the social platforms, and you were discussing how AI and chat GPT in particular, how they're changing investing. How are you guys using this technology to help in your real estate business? Well, I think this is something that we're all figuring out. I imagine a lot of listeners have played around with chat GPT. I found it personally really helpful when it comes to just coming up with new ideas for things. I continually ask our team like, hey, how can we use this more? So for example, a lot of what we do is real estate or investment related. We have an ATM machine fund. We've got car wash stuff, oil and gas. And sometimes we'll have an email or something that needs to be reformatted or, hey, this is a great landing page, but let's turn this into an email. You can put that whole thing, just take the text, put it into chat GPT and say, convert this into an email and it'll do it in three seconds. Convert it into a text message. It'll do it. Convert it now. Give me a series of anything. Like, hey, I want uh, a video outline for this topic and it will give you all this stuff, right? So that's something as far as the content and just kind of the flow side that we use. There was a survey I saw of something like 90 6% of hedge funds say that they're using chat GPT or AI in their investment strategy. And so that's huge, right? So these guys that are thinking about hedge funds is they're kind of secretive on a lot of things, but uh, they're finding a way to use it. They can analyze numbers. So if you throw a bunch of numbers in there, a bunch of data in there, it can help you identify trends. It can help you identify you know, what's happening. It's not super current. A lot of times the chat GPT, the data is a little old, but if you put new data in there, say, hey, we want, can you analyze this or give me what is the total return here or whatever, it will do that for you, right? So I think being able to analyze data, being able to figure out what trends are in place. And honestly, it's something we're still figuring out. And this is, I think it's chat GPT4 or something we're on now. When we're at chat GPT30, it's going to look very different, right? So there's going to be other opportunities there. But I think there's always opportunities. There's always ways we can better use data. And I think having some of these tools is really valuable. Are you guys using it in any way to help underwrite your deals? Say you have something come across your table. Have you found that technology to be applicable to the underwriting aspect, to just seeing if an opportunity makes sense or not? We haven't personally. Usually, I usually work with the operators that I know or people that I've worked with just because I feel like that's one of the biggest things is 
getting in the right market with the right operator and then getting to the right deal. Again, sometimes we'll use it to analyze data, but we haven't necessarily, hey, here's a new deal that we're totally unfamiliar with. Let's put it in and see what happens. Put it in, in the chat GPT. But I'm sure there are ways people are doing it. They're looking at putting spreadsheets or other things in there. And there's things you can figure out that are really helpful. So I'd actually love to know if somebody's using that in different ways. I think that we're just kind of on the beginning of this. And this is why I think it's important to just to experiment, try different things and put different, more information in there. And just even like a lot of times, I think I'm an idea guy, so I have a lot of ideas, but I go in and say, hey, give me 50 topics around this idea, whatever, or titles around it. It just gives you all this information, right? So if you're like, hey, all I can think of is I want to invest in this, what type of thing? Well, what other alternatives are there besides multifamily investing or besides ATM machine? And it'll give you a hundred different examples. It'll give you as, as much time as you have or you want. You're like, huh, this one is really interesting. I need to do some more work there, right? So again, it's a way we can kind of open our mind to be looking at different possibilities we didn't even know were there. I think it almost sounds like a brainstorming buddy. If you're sitting there by yourself and you're like, I got kind of this idea, you could start stress testing it and saying, I'm thinking about this, what are other options and so on. I'm actually starting to play with it a lot myself and just trying to figure out all the uses, but I'm definitely on the same page. I'm really curious where we're going to be at when it's uh, version 10 as opposed to version four. And I think it, it will develop. That's why a lot of people that are older, a lot of times they like you pick up an iPhone it was really hard for them like to adjust to, right? So I just think you and I are, are young and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are at different ages. But as we get older, it's, just, it's so important to be able to embrace the technology because it's coming and it's here and it's an incredibly powerful tool. And so if I'm not familiar with it and all of a sudden there's these amazing things you can do, it may be the learning curve is much higher versus you're kind of following, you're keeping along, you're spending a little bit of time each week and I'm finding applications for it. But I'm sure there are things that I haven't thought of. I mean, people are starting businesses and they're creating content and do all kinds of stuff with it. And there's things you can do, which is great, but you've got to figure out what works for you. And then just realize this is all going to evolve and you're going to evolve along with it where you're going to find different applications for it as this stuff gets more powerful. Another note I want to touch on. When I visited your company's website, you guys published the report, how to use inflation to your advantage. Are there some tips that you can share from that report with us today? Yeah, so I think really the premise of the report is, you know, we're seeing inflation hurt us everywhere. You know, we go to the pump, it costs more, we're utilities, groceries, everything's going up. I go to Chipotle, you know, instead of $7.50 for a chicken burrito, it's $11. And that's real, right? So they can say inflation is 6%, but I'm seeing it more like 15 plus percent. And so if that's the case, it is a real consideration of what do we do so we don't get hit by the pain, but we actually are on the other side of the equation, right? So we're actually benefiting as prices are going up. Well, a few ways to do it are you can invest in things that are commodities such as natural gas, oil and gas companies as well for drilling, because we know that there's a fixed number of, they can't just go make more oil and gas. They can't go make more commodities. They have to basically cost money to go get these things out of the ground and to be able to go drill. Same with precious metals, things like that. And there's also, there's other things like real estate, like real estate is, you can't just go just as they print currency, you can't go print another house. I mean, they're getting ready to build a 3D print houses, but there's still, still cost to that. There's still time it takes to do that. And there's still the real estate that is, it's located on. So if you own real estate, let's say you have a house or you've got an apartment building and it produces cash flow, you are going to be able to hedge inflation because rents generally keep pace with inflation over the long term. Also, if you have lower debt that's below the rate of inflation. I, as I said, I think inflation is actually around 15%. So anything below 
12%, I think is a pretty good deal as far as a debt rate. So even at 7%, I still think it can make sense. And you really get two benefits in that. Well, there's several benefits. One is you get to use other people's money to go buy a building, right? So you're putting, let's say 20% down. And if the property appreciates by 20%, you didn't get a 20% increase on your money. You got a 100% increase on your money, right? Because you used other people's money. You use this debt to be able to do it. And if you can do it for a long-term fixed rate, for example, let's say a house, you have a 30-year debt. Well, there's a couple of advantages of it, right? You've got a low rate at maybe 5% or 3% or whatever that rate is, or even 7%, and you're paying it off over a long period of time. So we know the asset is going to be worth more due to inflation. They're not going to stop creating more currency. We've seen 99% of the purchasing power of the dollar lost since 1913, the year the Federal Reserve was created. So they're just going to keep doing this. And so you're going to see asset prices continue to rise and you're going to pay off that debt with future dollars that are worth less. So there's a way you actually can take advantage because they're trying to make these inflation numbers not sound as bad as they really are. But in a way, if you know what you're doing, you can use smart debt to buy assets that pay you to hold them and you pay them off with future dollars that are worth less. That's a great way to look at it. And an example I like to give, especially to, to people that are a little newer to real estate is... If you think about inflation, what is it, right? It's the cost of goods, materials increasing, right? Well, when you own a property, what is that made out of? That's made out of materials, right? So when the cost of wood, lumber, concrete, when that all starts increasing, usually your property, what it's made out of is also worth more. In order to build that same property, it's going to cost more money than it did before inflation. So that's another just on a very basic core fundamental level on how to look at that. But I think we covered some really great topics today. I mean, we spoke about everything from the power of joining masterminds and getting around like-minded people, spoke a little bit about AI and technology, inflation, things that are going. And, you know, everybody can talk about multifamily and apartment buildings and syndications but I feel like we've covered some unique topics today, which I was really pleased with our conversation. I'd love to go into some of my closing questions, if that's okay with you. That was great. My first one is, what is the most valuable lesson you learned in your investing career? I think the most valuable thing I've learned is kind of one of the principles we've been talking about, just the idea of networking. And really, it doesn't matter that I don't have a lot of experience in something. If I can find a partner that I trust that we have similar values, then the team has it, right? So if I have one of my partners in multifamily has 28 years of experience and 13,000 units, right? So my lack of experience in managing multifamily properties is not an issue, right? So I think it's just the ability of you know, building team, networking, and really trying to figure out what value you bring. Because it's not just like, hey, let me help or teach me, help me be my person. It's like, no, how can I add value to you? but figure out what your value is as well as the value of others and really combining those. And what is the best piece of advice that you could give to other investors? Start now. You know, there's a saying the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the second best time is today. And I think that's so true. Is they think, oh, I wish I'd started doing this. If I'd only gotten in real estate, if I only started doing it, just forget all that. Just let that go. It's gone. Life is really happening right now. So what is it you can do today, this week? What are the decisions you can make right now in the next year or five years, 10 years, like, what do you want your life to look like? And if you make that decision, Tony Robbins says it's in your moments of decision 
that your destiny is shaped. When, so when I said, hey, I'm going to leave my job in three years, I made that decision and I did it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, Tony, I'm a big Tony guy. I actually used to be part of his platinum group. I'd be jumping nice. around from one country to another country every month, <laughs> going to unleash the power within, date with destiny. But if I go into that, me and you are going to sit here for another hour throwing out quotes. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Yes. But, we both uh, love our quotes. Yeah, for sure. But Bronson, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time today and you sharing your experiences and your journey through real estate. And I know a lot of people are also considering possibly leaving their jobs and going into a career. And the human condition is so similar to so many people where we all deal with similar challenges. So I really hope we were able to shed some light and give some insight to people in the same position. So once again, thank you so much for joining and I look forward to seeing you in June. Awesome. Arnold, thanks for having me, man. This is a lot of fun. Thanks. Winning in Real Estate listener, thank you for joining. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review, share this podcast with somebody you think can benefit from it, and also don't forget to follow and subscribe. If you would like to become a better real estate investor, make sure to download the Passive Investor's Guide to Analyzing a Real Estate Syndication Deal. This comprehensive ebook equips investors with the tools to evaluate deals and avoid common mistakes, gain insights, strategies, and practical advice to make better investment decisions. Download your copy today at investav.com forward slash ebook, or you can find the link in our show notes. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action.